you'll find our sermon text from Matthew chapter 28 on page 8 in your worship folder as well as up on the screen. If you'd like on page 9, there's space for you can take notes, fill in the blanks with a couple of our, our key points, our key takeaways from our message today from our Easter celebration. Grace and peace are God's gifts to you through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose to give us victory. Dear Christian friends, one of the greatest sporting events of the entire year has just wrapped up less than a week ago. Yes, I mean the NCAA basketball tournament. And perhaps, if you were the winner of your bracket, you are still basking in the glow of your winnings. But even you would have to admit this year, like that was just a few lucky guesses. Because this year the tournament was crazy. Every, every single one of the odds-on favorites was eliminated by the midpoint of the tournament. And that meant that there was some steep disappointment for the fans of some teams, some highly ranked, highly anticipated teams. Let me give you an example of one of them. Purdue. Are any of you Purdue fans? Good, because... This year had to just be painful, not just, especially for the fans, but even worse for the players. Purdue had the best player in all of college basketball on their team. A seven foot four giant, towered over the competition, huge wingspan. They were the best team in their, in their uh, conference. They won their conference going away, and then they went to the conference playoff or the conference tournament and won that and so they headed into the ncaa tournament on a roll they were a number one seed the fourth overall seed and they're playing against a team that got in on a technicality a team whose whose average height was the shortest in the whole tournament whose tallest player that played regularly was six six almost a foot shorter than purdue's best player This should have been going away right into the second round, and that's what everyone thought. Purdue was almost a full 24-point favorite to win. And then they lost. They lost, and the, the defeat was real. And to see those players walking off the court and walking to the locker room after their after their stunning defeat, was heavy disappointment. The disbelief was real. Can you imagine that feeling of just utter defeat? When you were so highly favored, everything had been going so well, and then it just all fell apart and crumbled. Actually, I... I imagine you probably could know what that feels like. Maybe not the disappointment of losing a game of that magnitude, but I bet you felt that kind of crushing disappointment and defeat and loss in life. Right? Finally, things are going your way. And wham, you get blindsided by a problem you never saw coming and could not have anticipated. 
You try to go about your business and do things the right way. And then you just get knocked off your feet by someone who doesn't care. A situation that doesn't, doesn't pay any attention to any of that. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. And you never saw it coming, but boy, that loss, that defeat, that disappointment is so, so real. And it, you feel deflated, like someone took the balloon of your life and just let all of the air out. And worse than deflated, you feel defeated. That brings us to our first takeaway this morning. It's that life's problems and hurts and disappointments, they can leave me feeling defeated because they are all too real. That's what it was like that first Easter. Things have been going so, so incredibly well for, for Jesus and his followers, right? They, they had seen Jesus perform the most incredible miracles Countless miracles, logic-defying miracles. They had heard him preach and teach with power and authority. They had seen him ride into Jerusalem just a week before, and the crowds cheered and praised him and hailed him as a king. And then in, 24 hour, in a 24-hour span, all of that was ended. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. One of their own. He was beaten, whipped, sentenced to death, though he was completely innocent. His followers? Well, they had told him they would, they would follow him anywhere. They would stand up for him. They would never leave him. And they talked a big game but when it came right down to it, when he was arrested, they panicked and they ran. They deserted him. And then Jesus was crucified. And he died. And for his followers, a stunning defeat. The disappointment was real, the loss was real. Everything that they had hoped for, everything that they thought they knew, everything that they believed and trusted in, gone. Poof. Died with Jesus on that cross. They had believed him. His promise that, that God had sent the Savior, the promised Messiah, who would finally come and take care of sin once and for all. Jesus said he was that Savior. They believed his promises, but then he died, and his promises died with him. So they waited. On that hopeless Sabbath Saturday, like a bunch of losers, because they were utterly defeated, totally lost. Is that how you feel? Is that how you feel when pain 
and disappointment come crashing into your life like a wrecking ball, smashing your hope, crushing your dreams, knocking out your, your joy and your peace and causing you to, to rethink everything. You know what that's like, don't you? And you go back to that situation in your mind and you think about it again and again and you replay it and you wish that you could go back and change your words. You wish that you could go back and do something, anything differently. But you can't. Instead, you're left with hope or hurt and loss and disappointment and they are all too real. And that leaves you feeling defeated. Wondering if you too, like those disciples, will just be a loser for the rest of your life. Because all you know is loss. You'll notice that on that first Easter morning, when the women went up to go to the tomb, got up to go to the tomb, none of Jesus' disciples went. They knew they were going. More than that, they knew that, that they were going to face a problem, that that stone poof, had been rolled in front of the tomb and it was lying in that divot and that it was more than those women could handle, right? The women even said, who's going to roll the stone away for us? And yet, not one of the men got up. Not one of the men went along. Because going to that tomb would just be another reminder of how utterly defeated they were. Of how hopeless their lives now looked. Of how big of losers they were. Even though none of those disciples went, well, God provided exactly what those women needed. Take a look at the first verses from our sermon text in Matthew 28. After the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Pause right there for just a moment. These women, they had watched Jesus suffer and die. They had seen his body placed into the tomb. It hadn't been a dream. It was all too real. But when they got to the tomb, the guards didn't stop them and they saw someone else instead, someone who by his appearance was clearly an angel and his message to them was simple and beautiful. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then he lifted their eyes and their hearts and their heads to look and see the place where dead Jesus should be but was not. And he said those words then that changed their lives. He is not here. He has risen. 
They had come defeated, disappointed, expecting more sadness and grief. But that morning they left with hope. All because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Take a look at the remaining verses of Matthew chapter 28. The angel continued, Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. As these women ran to go and tell the disciples, they ran right into what the angel had said. They ran into Jesus in the flesh, alive. They had come looking for a dead man, and what did they find? Christ is risen. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead means that everything is changed. It means that that the devil cannot control us. It means that sin cannot condemn us. It means that death cannot contain us. But it doesn't really feel like that, does it? Does it feel... Like Jesus' victory is real? Does it feel like sin has been defeated in your life? Does your conscience tell you sin is gone? Does the death of a loved one have no sting? Does this world seem like it's getting better and better or or worse and worse? Because if Jesus won the victory, if If sin and death are defeated, then why does this world still seem so dark, so lost? Well, that first day of that first Easter day, it was a day of victory. And that victory is real. But it wasn't a day without sin, without guilt, free from fear. No, instead, Jesus' victory means in the midst of all of that, that there is hope. Our days, they're not free from sin. Certainly not from guilt and definitely not from pain. But in the midst of it, in the face of them, in the face of that worst defeats, in the greatest pains, in the deepest struggles, you have hope. You have hope because of what the angel said. Jesus was crucified, he died, and he rose. Think about that with me for just a moment. Jesus died. It's historical fact. But he didn't die because that's what people do. He died because that's what we deserve. God says sin earns a wage. And that wage it pays is death. That sin isn't just out there. It's in here. In you and me. And we all know it. We all know our own mortality. And it separates us from God and it makes us afraid of God. 
it, it ruins our minds. It corrupts our hearts. It, it makes us filled with all of this self, self, self. It's sin that we try to, to hide from everyone else, but that God knows, God sees. And the hardest part to come to grips with is that we can't do anything about it. We can't fix it. We can't undo it. No matter how much we try, our hearts are so corrupted that even our best intentions fall woefully short. So no matter how much you try to to think good thoughts or get your karma in line, it doesn't actually solve the problem. It doesn't make it right or even make it better. And that can and does leave us feeling very defeated. And in that very real pain and that very real disappointment should be a very real fear. It's our second takeaway today. It's that I'm afraid that I will always be a loser because of my sin. That no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I cannot earn God's favor. I cannot right what I have done wrong. I can't fix my past and I can't be free from my guilt. But all of that is what Jesus did. That is exactly what he came to do. He loved you and me too much to let us be condemned and separated from him. Instead, he loved you so much that he chose to suffer and die instead of letting you be condemned. You know all those things that make you burn with shame. All the times when you have hurt those around you. All the times you have done things that you wish you could take back immediately. All the things that you've failed to do. All the things that you can't undo. God took up all of your failures and all of your sins and he put them all on Jesus on the cross. He took all of your sin and all of my guilt and all of the punishment for all of it and Jesus faced it all. Every drop of the wrath of God that we deserve, he suffered. And then the Son of God died. And he took our burden over the horizon of death, but he left us with a promise. He would come back. And that means the resurrection of Jesus means he's not just some kind of, uh, of moral leader, some kind of self-help guru who gives you good information on how to change this piece of your life. No, his death and his resurrection mean that he is your Savior because He died and rose for you. To free you, to rescue you, to set you free from all that would separate you from Him. Here's what that means. It's our next takeaway. Jesus died to defeat sin. And He rose from the dead to assure me that His victory is real. Don't miss the last piece 
The last little phrase tucked in there of what the angel said to those women. Jesus was crucified and he is risen just as he said. None of this should have been a surprise. Jesus had repeatedly said that he was going to be arrested and tried and and suffer and die and three days later rise again. He had prepared them time and time again, which is why Jesus and the angel both told these women, don't be afraid. Because if Jesus knew this was going to happen and he came and went through it anyway, if death couldn't contain him, if sin could not defeat him, then there's nothing that can. Which means that there is nothing that you will face in this life that Jesus can't lead you through or rescue you from. He knows when you are hurting. He knows when you are crushed by disappointment, by defeat. And he's not ignoring you because you've ignored him. He's not just too busy to help you out in the moment. He wants you to remember his promises. Promises like, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He knows that you still struggle. He knows that he knows your pain and your disappointment. He knows your guilt. And he wants you to remember his promises. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He knows when you feel alone, when you feel helpless, when you feel lost. And he wants you to remember his promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And I have called you by name, you are mine. Here's, what that, here's why that's important. It's our last takeaway today. It's that no matter what defeats I face in life, Jesus' victory for me means I don't need to be afraid because I have hope and life in him. See, no matter how defeated you feel, there's hope. Because the victory, Jesus' victory today is real. It's just as real as it was on that first Easter morning. He tells us his victory is our victory and that means that sin does not condemn us because he has paid for that sin in full. His victory brings hope. Hope from death and hope for life forever with him. His victory means that while life might not seem all sunshine and roses and hope filled every day, in fact it's filled with all kinds of of pain and disappointment and defeat, there is still hope. There's still hope because Jesus' victory is real. And his victory is real because Christ is risen. risen Amen. Please stand. May the peace of